Welcome to the Reinventing Education podcast, a podcast for those interested in reinventing what education is. I'm Rob McLeod. Today, not joined by the illustrious Brendan O'Leary. This episode's a bit of a special one. If you've listened to us for any length of time, you've probably heard us do our In a Nutshell segment. See, our episodes these days are kind of reaching in a few different directions. Sometimes we have the benefit of sitting down and interviewing someone and having a conversation about where education is going. Our other episodes are diving really deep into this idea of the three types of school. As you may have noticed for about the last year, we've been discussing the components and the aspects of mainstream schools. And that's going to continue for a little while yet before we move on to discussing a progressive approach to education. Along the way, Brendan and I are attempting to refine, clarify, and simplify our overall philosophy, our overall map of how we are laying out these differences and nuances which are critical uh, to be aware of, to work with, and to balance in order to be able to reinvent education. Or at least that's our shtick. So often at the beginning of our episodes, we'll attempt to summarize all this in a nutshell, usually sprawls between one to five minutes to do so. Today's episode is actually a talk that I gave at an online event with Spiral Dynamics Integral Live. Uh, I did this earlier in the year, I believe it was early May 2021, and Brent and I, upon reviewing this, thought, well, this is kind of our nutshell, slightly expanded and does a fairly decent job of summarizing all of our main points. Now, the Spiral Dynamics Integral Live group, I felt really privileged to be part of, Really cool group. They host weekly Saturday Zoom meetings related to spiral dynamics and integral theory. Related to spiral dynamics and integral theory. Now, here on the podcast, we we are certainly influenced and inspired by spiral dynamics and the ideas in integral theory, but we do our best to try to stay clear of the jargon of spiral dynamics and integral theory. In theory. Uh, to ensure that our ideas are accessible to as many people as possible. Knowing that I was talking to a group of folks deeply interested in spiral dynamics, I did slip into using some of the jargon. So just a quick forewarning before we get into this episode. Uh, If you hear me mention anything about blue or amber, that's me referring to the traditional approach to school. Anything referring to orange, that would be the mainstream approach. And anything referring to green would be the progressive approach to education. And finally, anything involving yellow or teal, this would be in reference to a post-progressive or integral approach to education. Really cool group. Um, They welcome both seasoned practitioners as well as new participants. So there's a really cool wealth of ideas presented in these groups. And typically, they give some time for a presenter to share some ideas, and then there's time kind of for breakout rooms to discuss, clarify, toy with these ideas in a smaller group, and then they they come back to to pluck some of the best learnings and synthesize and condense the ideas. So really cool group. If you're interested in checking them out, uh, go on Facebook, search for Spiral Dynamics Integral Live, and you can find their group there. They also post most of their talks on YouTube, which is where I've taken this clip you're going to hear today, which has become our episode. And same thing, go into YouTube, type Spiral Dynamics Integral Live, 
and you will find their page there. So without further ado, here is my presentation from the Sprout Dynamics Integral Live Group earlier this year, May 2021, uh, our nutshell expanded across a little more than a half hour. My presentation today is about the tug of war of different values in education. And often when I'm discussing these ideas, I'm not talking to a group of spiral dynamics enthusiasts. Normally, I'm talking to educators who've never heard of integral theory or never heard of spiral dynamics or Claire Graves or anybody like this. So I'm really excited to know that most of you, I'm assuming, have some background in this area. Um, just as a point before I begin, on our podcast, just because we're in the habit of speaking to spiral dynamics enthusiasts and people who are not into the model, uh, you might hear me using just the words traditional, mainstream, and progressive. And those are the code words we use on our podcast, blue being traditional approaches to school, orange being mainstream, and green being progressive. And I really like this image that there's this tug of war in all of our schools, and I will go into this in detail today, um, but I can almost guarantee you that you could walk into any school anywhere on the world, anywhere in the world right now, and you're going to see this tug of war pop up. So really quick bit about me. I am originally Canadian, uh, lived in Germany for five years, currently in Belgium. My wife is Belgian. We have a, a young son who's almost two years old already. And uh, the thing that connects the dots for me is I've worked in both the private and public education systems in uh, across these three countries. And in total, I've worked across nine different schools, uh, both as a teacher and in administrative roles as well. So this is where I'm drawing some of my experience from. So being someone who's traveled to different countries, both in the private and public systems, uh, the questions started to pop up for me, like how do the different value systems or different stages in spiral dynamics impact school development? Now, when I'm saying school development, I, I am talking more specifically on a school by school basis. So you go to the school down the street and you look at it as its own organism, what's happening in there? And I've got two metaphors or two analogies for you for what I see. All right, so if you look at a school, it's a lot like when people look at a sports field. The sports field is kind of a neutral thing. But if you look at any school right now, I would argue there's at least three different sports happening on the same field. So if you looked at this picture right now, for example, you've got soccer, you've got baseball happening, you've got tennis, you've got golf all on the same field. And if someone asked you like, hey, what's happening there? Like you wouldn't be wrong if you said sports are happening on that field. But if you like begin to look closer, you'd start to notice, oh, actually like that group over there is doing something completely different than this other group over here. And that dude with the golf club, he's up to something completely different than that woman with the tennis racket. And I think this is a good analogy for what's happening in schools, because it's really easy to just use a term like <clears throat> our education system or school. But if you begin to look closer, it's like, oh, within that, there's actually these competing ideas happening simultaneously alongside each other. And each of them has like a different, com like a completely different game that they're playing and like a completely different set of objectives and a completely different idea about what winning would mean to them. Yet, if you're just standing back in the stands, it just kind of looks like, oh, that activity on the field, that sport's happening. And we do this with education. 
Another kind of analogy we could use here is thinking of a cocktail. So imagine you've got the different stages or different colors in spiral dynamics. We've kind of mixed them all together and you didn't see what happened in the shaker. And all you see is this mixed colored drink that's being poured. That's what you're seeing in the school. It's like, okay, there's this cocktail in front of us in the school. And what we've tried to do in our podcast is actually like deconstruct that cocktail and go, oh, actually it had this ingredient and it had this ingredient, it had this ingredient and this one. Hey, and do you notice how different each of those flavors are on their own? That's going to be really important if we want to like influence what this cocktail is like. So those are the kind of two things I'll try to do. Point out the different sports that are happening on the field with you guys today. And then also try to give a little bit of a taste of what the three main value systems, so the blue traditional, orange mainstream, and green progressive are doing within education so that you can spot those when they're in action and then like be able to be with them and work with them a lot more skillfully. So like I said, <clears throat> we are using Spot Dynamics as kind of the background of our model on our podcast and the work that we're beginning to do with school leaders. And we, like I've already said, use the terms traditional, mainstream, and progressive. I could definitely spend an entire hour just talking about this, but we applied uh, the quadrants from Ken Wilber's integral theory to talking about the aspects of a school. So again, if we just say a school that's down the street from us, we, we know what that means. We know what a school is. But if you actually want to work with a school to help it to grow, to help it to change, it's helpful to know like the components that make up a school. And what we've found really helpful for school leaders is to say, hey, let's put your school name in the center of this box. And then basically begin to fill out like what activities are going on here? Like what are your practices? What resources are you guys using? What physical or digital environments do you have here? What systems are you using to organize this place? Who are the communities? Who are the groups of people? The various overlapping circles of people in your school. What are the cultures within those? And then on the individual level, like what are some of the beliefs people are walking around here with? What are some of those internal reactions that are happening here? And what's interesting is we found that traditional mainstream and progressive schooling, they each have completely different answers most of the time across those eight boxes. So you see different kinds of environments, different kinds of activities, different kinds of resources in a traditional school compared to a mainstream school, compared to a progressive school. If you want the cheat code, if you don't want to listen to the rest of my talk, I'll give you like the really quick game you can play with a school administrator. And this has worked in every school I've talked to them in so far. And you just say, hey, what's one of the things you guys do here? And they can tell you anything about the school. And then ask them why they do that five times. And usually by the third, often the fourth, but always by the fifth, they'll point out one of these three values. And essentially, the reason they're doing something in their school is either for reasons of security, which point to like a traditional influence. Their answer has something to do with progress, which would hint at a mainstream or orange influence. Or they're talking about some kind of inclusion, which would hint at like a green progressive approach to education. So if you want the like, Cole's Notes cheat sheet version, that's one of the easiest ways to get a pretty blunt sense of what is organizing the school environment. However, there's a lot more nuance than that, and that's what I hope to get into in these next couple slides. 
across these three types of schools, another marker that shows the difference between the three is to see the kind of relationship in the power structure and specifically between the teacher and the students. So in traditional, the kind of relationship that you see happening playing out is more like the master and apprentice. So expert knows how things are done and I'm gonna walk you through this. In mainstream, it's much more like an Olympic coach. You're going to the Olympics. I'm gonna measure how good you are doing now. We're gonna track your progress. We're gonna get you better and we're gonna get you ready to score really well when the big test day comes. And then progressive, counselor, and there isn't really a great word in English, but counseled. So the idea of, hey, you're on your life path. I'm here with you during this time that you're in school, and I'm going to help you walk along your path in life. And what's interesting is we see that not only is that structure or those kinds of relationships, I should say, not only do we see those in the classroom, but they tend to be mirrored in the way the entire organization with the adults, the school community, the surrounding area, the parents, all stakeholders in the school, that kind of relationship, either master apprentice, Olympic coach and athlete or counselor counseled, mirrors its way across the entire organization. Now, the point of my talk though, is to say there's a tug of war. And what I found in every single school that you go into, all three of these are present and all three of them are constantly juggling to direct the school in either one of those three directions. So let's take a look at sort of each of those flavors of the cocktail in a little bit more detail so you can like really see and feel these. So first traditional master and apprentice. There is one way we have done it and we will show you. So as a teacher, typically this person has been through the system. They were once like you, they were a student, they didn't know any better. They were walked through the school system by someone in authority. They've now walked through it, they've done it, and now they've assumed the duty that it's their time to show you how things will be done in schools. And what they're really holding up here is this idea of like duty and tradition. Um, if there were more people who were in maybe like school leadership or who are in, te in teaching roles, I would go into more depth about these four things. But I think for the sake of time, I'll just kind of touch on them. And if people want me to, I can go into them in more detail later in the Q&A or something like that. But essentially, if you get asking around in a school that is right now being pulled more in that traditional area, what you're going to see is kind of like the four main goals are the idea of coherence, that things across the school need to be uniform. People aren't off in their own islands doing their own thing. Expertise. If you've got a role as a teacher, you need to be the expert. There is a clear pyramid of roles, responsibilities, and values, and then subject collaboration. So if I'm an English teacher and Tad or Josh or the other English teachers, we need to be talking together to make sure that what's happening in my room is happening in his room and those kinds of things. Now with everything, there's babies and bath waters, and I could definitely spend an entire hour talking about the bathwater or the problems of school. And I'm sure most of us, whether we're in education now or are looking at it from a distance or seeing our kids go through it, there's a lot to complain about. There's a lot to gripe about for sure. But today I'm just going to focus on the babies of like what we want to keep from this structure as we move forward. 
So one of those things that we don't want to lose as we are moving beyond traditional schooling is this idea of having an expert with some authority. We also want rites of passage, which basically from orange and up, we lose that sense of rites of passage, really important school events. Just that general sense of we, that idea of like, you know, a mascot, a school team, a name for the students in the school. Often once we move up into mainstream, that gets lost. And also just the importance of rules and order. And I often use like, again, another sports analogy here that, you know, think of your favorite sport. You're appreciative that those rules are there, that someone can't body check you from behind or swing their stick at your face. You know, rules are important there to create the safety so that greater things can happen. Now, often when we use this word traditional school, a lot of negative connotations come up because there is this kind of idea like, oh, well, traditional is the really bad one we shouldn't be doing. Progressive is a good word, so we should definitely be moving in that progressive move. But what I'd say is really interesting. Um, blue traditional education is still incredibly popular and actually very easy to sell these days. So I would argue that TED Talks are a good modern embodiment of traditional education. You've got an expert for 15, 20 minutes telling you something important from their place of authority. The Masterclass series proves that people are willing to pay at least 125 bucks to hear an expert writer or an expert uh, chef teach them how to do something. There will always be some kind of place where we want to get a download of information from an expert. And you know, I would even argue a lot of online Zoom talks, things like that, at least have a portion that is very traditional where there is this lecture or download or sharing of information with people. So I'd even characterize what I am doing right now as actually being traditional education. I'm the expert here, downloading, sharing this with you. Now, of course, we will have time to digest this with some breakout rooms and some Q&A later, but I did want to kind of point that out on a meta level. So we've looked at traditional. So now we're gonna move on to the mainstream, the orange approach to school. This is a very general quote and I don't have any evidence to back this up, but I would say probably we're talking now about 95% of schools worldwide because essentially schools, no matter what the country, no matter what the context, exist within a system where there is some kind of overarching standardized testing that they are accountable to. And essentially all schools worldwide are doing some variation of this mainstream approach to school. And here, the relationship is the relationship between the coach and the athlete. You're going to the Olympics. You don't get a choice in this case. You're going to the Olympics. There are tests coming your way. There are standardized tests coming your way that every child in our country or state or province are going to write. You're going to do it alongside them. Your performance on those tests is could influence everything from the school's funding to your teacher or administrator's job. These are high stakes, basically competition type things. Your testing is important, not just to you for your social mobility or your desire to pursue the progress or jobs that you want, uh, but also it affects the school, the structure that you are in to some degree. So here the coach is getting you ready by monitoring your progress, recording how you are doing, making goals, making plans for how you're going to develop or progress to meeting those next achievements. So 
traditional approach said there's one way we've been through it, we'll get you there. At mainstream, at Orange, we're saying there are many ways you can succeed. You don't have to do it the way I'm telling you. If there's something that's more effective or more efficient, go for it. But we will find your optimal way to do your best. And we're going to measure your progress and achievements along the way. So I'm going to check before we do anything, where are you starting so that I can get an accurate measurement of how you're growing along the way and then to what degree you're able to meet our expectations at the end of this. And here, as crazy as it sounds, so much of the structure in our modern schools is really just upholding the demands of a curriculum. And it's doing that through differentiation. So that basically means, you know, uh, different weights are given to different kids. Basically, we try to find what level you're already at and then give you the level of challenge that will help you to continue progressing or continuing to grow. If you think of it like weightlifting, um, you know, you wouldn't show up at the gym and pick up a weight that is way too light for you and spend an hour on it. That's a waste of time. You also wouldn't walk up to a weight that is way too heavy for you because you can't do anything with it. That's way too heavy. So you want to find that zone of proximal development. So you're differentiating for students to help them continue to progress. There's assessment-based instruction. So it's no longer the master's opinion on if you're ready yet or not. We're looking at cold, hard data. And whether it's myself who's in the room or Paul or anybody else, in theory, like a scientific experiment, we should say at the end of the day that this child got this score on this test, regardless of who marked it. Also transparency, you've got to publicly report you know, these grades, you've got to publicly report um, how your students are doing. The, the public is, can be made aware of things and even on the teacher level, you need to be able to explain exactly why a student got the mark that they did and be able to show exactly how you came to that mark. There's no longer that trust in that traditional master who you, you know they know how to get you there. Here, transparency, you're accountable, you need to show that you're capable and competent. And the difference here in the school is we have both horizontal and vertical collaboration. So that's basically a fancy way of saying, if I'm teaching grade three, I meet with all the other grade three teachers and I meet with the grade four teacher above me vertically and the grade two teacher below me. So I can ensure that we've got like a clear running coherent system from one step to the next. And again, with the babies in the bathwater here, we actually do want standardized measurement. Now I'm not making a case for standardized testing, but we do want standardized measurement. We want all teachers walking around with a ruler that is 30 centimeters or 12 inches, whatever it is. We don't want someone saying, oh yeah, I think that's roughly this long. And oh yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it's this long. We want something that is standardized across schools that can be used to measure things. Now, I could also spend another hour on the pros and cons of that, but this is one of the gifts that the Orange approach is bringing. There's also the idea that at Orange, at mainstream schooling, that schools can actually engineer the learning for students. So as teachers, we're no longer just dogmatically presenting maybe a textbook like we'd see at traditional, but here I can choose different activities that are the best fit for my students. 
Sometimes I use another car analogy. I say the traditional teacher is like a mechanic who knows how to make a car run. And at Orange or Mainstream, a teacher is like an engineer who can like soup up a car for its maximum performance. So there's the idea that you, are, you don't have to follow just one way. You as a teacher have many ways that you can achieve success with your students. There's a real focus on skills. So we move away from content knowledge towards the idea of you need to show me what you can do, not what you know. There's social mobility. You know, one of the things that, one of the gifts that has come along with mainstream school is the idea that, you know, thanks to the school system, you don't have to live your life necessarily in the socioeconomic conditions that you began in. Now, again, we could spend an hour on how that's definitely not the case for many people, but there is at least that possibility there. <clears throat> then next, again, this idea of that we've got clear goals, we have clear criteria for what success means, and students are actually receiving really specific and hopefully useful feedback to help them progress through a school system. So we've looked at traditional, we've looked at mainstream, and now on to progressive. So progressive here, we've got the counselor and the counseled. And essentially we've got a relationship where the school or teachers are essentially helping someone to basically sort out what they are doing with their life here, now, projections into the future. So at Orange or Mainstream, the curriculum was dictating most of this. But as we move into green, that curriculum kind of goes into the background and the specifics of what need to be focused on are actually coming much more from the student and the actual direct learning context that's around them. So I use the analogy of the coach and the Olympic athlete for Mainstream. Cool, you can give me great feedback. You can find all the exercises I need to do. You can help me get faster, smarter, better, more skillful, whatever. But at the end of the day, if you don't want to go to the Olympics, you didn't have a choice in that. You're going either way and you were getting trained whether you wanted to or not, whether or not it was meaningful to you. Whereas we make this move to a progressive school, there's the idea of starting with the student and then working out to create a curriculum, a set of skills, assessments, these kinds of things that serve them and serve their sense of meaning. So essentially progressive, we're saying, where do you want to go? Let's find a way to get you there. And we can negotiate what we measure while you're on your way. And here we're trying to uphold this sense of meaning. So we've got inquiry learning. You can look into the things that you're interested in. Schooling becomes individualized. Maybe there's classes, maybe there's not. Maybe your schooling is far more independent than it is right now. There are often sociocratic structures within the school to help it organize. And we move away from this idea of skills at orange and content more at blue. We move into this idea of transdisciplinary skills. What I mean by that are those skills that transcend any one topic in school. So right now I'd say the best version of this is the IB system in their primary years program, the International Baccalaureate. They've fleshed this out really well, where they say, you know what, communication is a transdisciplinary skill. Yeah, you need communication in English class, but you also need to communicate in history. You also need to be able to communicate about mathematics, 
need to be able to communicate about biology, all of these sorts of things. So let's teach communication and then we can use subjects to help us build those skills. But let's put our emphasis on the communication and not the nuts and bolts of any one subject. So the benefits from here, some more authentic relating. What I mean by that is we're not just in these kind of roles in traditional or mainstream. You're really there with someone in their life. You're really seeing someone and what matters to them. We're bringing the student voice into the forefront. There's this sense of co-creation and even deconstruction. There's nothing sacred from mainstream or traditional approaches to schooling that has to be there out of the sake of tradition. If a school timetable works, great, we use that. If not, doesn't have to be there. Classroom seating, we can rearrange what that looks like. Online versus in-person environments. There's nothing we have to do. We can basically put anything on the table to play with, as long as it's serving you, your path, your meaning, and your contributions back into our learning community. So there we've got traditional, mainstream, progressive. I'm well aware that I've flown through this. I'm aware I'm talking a little quicker than I'd like to, but I'm hoping to give you kind of this download with some ideas to play with, and then we can do some more of the clarifying later. We've looked at traditional as that master and apprentice, mainstream is the Olympic coach and the athlete, and progressive is counselor and counselled. Instantly, when most people start to look at a school, they get tricked. When most people have heard our model, they walk into the school and they see, you know, possibly some inquiry learning and they jump to, oh, this is progressive, or they're talking this talk, they're using this language or this code in my school, or they see an emphasis on in, uh, the standardized testing. That, well, we couldn't be traditional. We have so much emphasis on schooling, on the testing. Or they say like, oh, well, we've got experts in all of our teaching spots and they've got a fair bit of autonomy. Maybe this is a traditional leaning school. What I would say is there's this idea of a sheen versus a core. And what I'd say the most common thing we see in our school system today is a green sheen placed over an orange core. And I need to go back and find a few of these articles. It was a few years ago I found them, but essentially if you look at, well, any educational article in any journal, by the time you get to the second or third line, it has something about how doing this will improve your students' test scores, which to me instantly like sets off all the orange mainstream school lights and bells and alarms. Uh, one of the things I was referring to a moment ago was a study where they talked about bringing mindfulness into a school in Britain. And the head of school said something that almost sounded like sociopathic to me. He said, well, we found after introducing 10 minutes of uh, mindfulness training in the morning, helped our students to calm, relax, be more peaceful with each other. And you know, I'm thinking like, okay, this is sounding progressive. This is sounding green. And then he made the switch and he goes, and, you know, of course, it was also helping with the test scores. And it's like, okay, cool. You can have wins in more than one category. Then he said, oh, and then we upped it to 20 minutes. And we found there was no difference with the test scores. So we brought it back down to 10. Test scores stayed the same. We dropped it down to five. We found the test scores started to drop a bit. So we bumped it up to eight. And we found that eight minutes of mindfulness each morning is the most optimum for our students. And it's like, ah, that is green sheen with orange core. 
And I'd say this is a very common thing that we're seeing in our school systems. Things that look like they're being done for the student's well-being, student health, all of this. If you ask, why are you doing this five times? We get back to this idea of like mainstream progress. Oh, it's helping with scores. It's helping with, with something more systemic than it is about being about the child. We also do a, see a bit of this with an orange sheen around blue structured schools. Schools that in their hearts wish to be more of a traditional school, but can't due to the orange demands of standardized testing and that kind of accountability. So even though they may walk the talk or look like a very mainstream school, if you ask why a bunch of times, you can get down to that traditional core that's actually there for security. Oh, and I use this picture. I don't know if there are any Tommy Boy fans, but you see Chris Farley in the tiny little jacket. And as soon as the stress comes, when he brings his arms down, he rips through the jacket and reveals who he is. So I like that image of, you know, you can look like you're wearing the green sheen or this kind of school, but as soon as the stress or pressure comes, it tears apart and reveals what's actually underneath there. So walk into any school and I can guarantee you within the staff, you're going to find staff members in administration, teaching support, uh, teachers, everybody is, you're going to find certain pockets of progressive leaning people, traditional leaning people and mainstream leaning people within the staff. You're also gonna find that the system, the structure, the school itself has a direction it is heading in and it seems to be a constant tug of war or negotiation of which of these directions the school is actually going to go in. So I'm gonna shift over. This has been very much about the kind of uh, abstract parts of our model. Here's what we're starting to do with school leaders around the world. So that right now there are four different schools that we've begun working with. And essentially we've presented this model to them. And then we found that these five questions are essentially a very simple starting point and all you need to get going. Now this is an easy start, carrying it out effectively uh, is another question, but basically here's what this comes down to. We present this model to school leaders, we present it to staff, we present it to parents, present it to students. And then we ask everybody, which one of these three schools do you think you're in right now? So which kind of school are you? Then step back, look at these three. Which is the best fit for your context? Your context can be defined by any number of factors. Then which aspects of your school are already aligned? And by aspects, I'm talking about those eight aspects I flashed to earlier. So your activities, resources, environment systems, communities, cultures, the beliefs and the reactions of the individuals there. Which of those are already in alignment with the kind of school you want to be? Which of those eight are not in alignment with the kind of school you want to be? And then basically, how could those aspects be changed? And, you know, this has taken essentially eight or nine years of banging my head against the wall in the schools that I've worked in to see the impact of this tug of war between those three types of school and then helping a school define its vision, stating it, being aware of it, conscious of it, and then taking those steps to go in that direction. So which kind of school are you now? 
which is the best fit for your context, regardless of which one you want the most, which one is the best fit for your context? Which aspects are already in alignment with that? Which aspects are not? And then how can you change those aspects that aren't already in alignment with one of those three types of school? I know my time for my kind of lecture portion is coming pretty close to the end here. Uh, I'm assuming since we're a spiral dynamics crew that people are saying, okay, but what about yellow? What about the integral approach? There's been a heavy emphasis on blue, orange, and green. What's yellow up to? My short answer is to say, yellow education is bringing in that discernment of what the babies in bathwater of those previous three are. So that's why I included the babies slides are showing what good things do we want to be able to bring forward from traditional mainstream and progressive. And I would say there are likely some new things that we're bringing in as well. However, the actual number of integrally operating schools, um, we're talking to a lot of the most interesting people who are doing really incredible things. And it's not about a game of like placing colors onto things, but even the most progressive educators that we're speaking to are saying like, yeah, I think we're, I think we're doing really good green, but I don't know if we're actually yellow yet or integral yet in terms of our approach. Now, of course, there'll be others who say different, uh, but I wouldn't say yet that I can make a slide clearly on what those new things are that yellow or integral education is bringing in. But I can point to one, um, which again is a little bit contradictory, which is it doesn't seem like there are clear defining criteria across multiple institutions, but rather that they are really products of the environment and context that they're in. What I can say that is more concrete, and this seems to be a general consensus around integral yellow educator people is that the most integral move we can make right now is actually to do more work to evolve healthy green education. Like I said, that orange mainstream approach is influencing and governing the majority of decisions that are happening in 95% of schools out there. There's a lot of green sheen, but in terms of like genuine, fully fleshed out, really healthy uh, organizations, approaches to school, pedagogy. There are definitely some out there and I can point you to many, but in terms of it being an actual culture-wide mass scale thing, it's actually still really in the minority here. And I think as an integral educator, the real work to be done right now is to help more expressions of healthy green education to come online. So this is me winding down the talk. We're about to go to breakout rooms. Um, I don't know if some of the other uh, facilitators here want to give some guidance for topics, but I do have one suggestion for you uh, in going to the breakout rooms. I do this activity with most of the groups that I talk to because after this input, um, there's a lot to digest. And my activity or question for you um, to consider in the breakout room is if schools could only teach 10 things, schools could only teach 10 things, 
what should those 10 things be? Or what might those 10 things be? If we think of school as a starter pack for life, what is an integral starter pack for life? In the majority of countries, our children anywhere from the ages of three to six to seven, up to roughly the age of 18 are in mandatory schooling. In most countries, we stay in an education system till our early or late 20s. This is something that is a huge portion of our lives. It's a huge component of our society. In most countries, roughly one third of all of the public funds go towards our education system. Put a lot of money, time, effort, human resources, and more or less all of us pass through the system, which in theory is having some impact on our readiness for life. What do you think those 10 things are that people should come in contact with earlier in their life that would be an integral starter pack for folks? And when we do the breakout rooms, I hope you can see the document. And if not, I'll put the link in just a moment. Um, the way we can do this is whatever number of your breakout room, uh, maybe Josh, just give me the thumbs up. Did it switch over to my Google Doc there? Or is it still the slide? Okay, it is the Google Doc. Perfect. I'll put this link into the chat in just a second. Um, and then if your breakout room wishes to play this game, if your breakout is uh, breakout room number one, you can use group one. If your breakout room number two, you can use group two, three, etc. And uh, if you want, you can use this as a jumping off point or a center point for your discussion. If schools could only teach 10 things. Oh, spelling mistake from a teacher. Oh, no. Nah. What is most important? And then a second question, because this tends to be where it gets really juicy. How might we best teach that? So the content, what are the 10 things, 10 skills, 10 practices? 10 big ideas? What are the 10 things they need to know? And then also how might we best teach those things? So if you'd like to use that as a jumping off point for your discussions to fill in the document, um, that might serve your breakout room. And on top of that, when we come back, you can check out the answers from other people. And in other groups I've been with, uh, this has been a really juicy conversation started to see what some of the other groups were doing. There you have my presentation to Spiral Dynamics Integral Live, attempting to fit as much as I could into as short of a period of time as humanly possible and still attempting to make it digestible and hopefully usable. If you want to get in touch with us, the best way to do so is at reinventingeducationpodcast at gmail.com. We appreciate those who actually reach out to us there. It seems that most of our fruitful relationships and most interesting conversations have spawned from those who've contacted us with a good old-fashioned email as opposed to all the glitz, flash, and uh, at times ridiculousness of other social media platforms. Again, that was my discussion with the Spiral Dynamics Integral Live group. Highly recommend you find them on Facebook, their group there has a lot of uh, interesting folks in it, and the talks from their group are put on their YouTube channel as well. Type in Spiral Dynamics Integral Live, and you can find them there. All right, folks, until next time.